Hi, everyone. This is just a little heads up that this is a live show recorded this year at the 2019 Awesome Con. So if you happen to hear a little bit of audience noise, just consider it a little extra love for science, okay? Yeah. 
gets like a couple of paragraphs. And then there's the next level down where most of the DNA testing companies that you would be familiar with, Ancestry, 23andMe, Family Tree, those sorts of places, they do what's called SNP testing. So of those DNA letters, they test a couple hundred thousand of them across your genome that have been associated with either um, particular ethnic ancestries or diseases or things like that. And that is less than 1% of your genome. It is actually 0.02% of your genome. That's the cliff notes of your genome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not even. It's the cliff notes of the cliff notes. <laughs> Thank you. 
because if you were just going by the genes, it should have been the other way around. And I also want to talk about a lot of people, you know, they don't really go in looking for traits because if you want to know what you look like, there are mirrors for that. Um, <laughs> but most people kind of grow, a lot of people go into these 23 and me and ancestry tests because they want to let them know about their ancestry. Like that's a really big deal for them. Um, so, one, did you learn anything cool? And two, how do they figure out, you know, what percentage of Rocky did you have to Not that they have indicated, but, you know, they are revising those tests all the time, so could be later, I won't know. Um, so, uh, I learned that I am anywhere from 12 to 63% British, depending on the company that you go with. Um, and I am, uh, I did learn that I am uh, 1.2 to 3.4% Oscarized Jewish, which I do not know. Um, and I have that down point. Jewish ancestor. I have 1.4%. That's far back. That's a long way. Well, we're ahead of that error bars on these. Uh, 1.4 to 3%. Yeah. That's an error bar. The size of the value itself. Yes. It's <laughs> a very large error bar. Um, so I wanted to ask particularly, I wanted to ask Deborah about this. Um, people do go in looking for their ancestry and they find, you know, you're between 12 and 63% British. <laughs> okay. Um, what does this kind of mean for people and their sense of identity? And what, what does this what should we think about when we think about going to these tests and finding out about our ancestors? Uh, you should think about the size of the grain of salt that you should be taking <laughs> um, these tests with. Right? I mean, the, like we said, the error bar is really big. Um, it can be very fun. It can be interesting. But as you mentioned, you know, the data change, and the data can change more for some than others, because who's in the database, and how many people like you are in the database affect how good the results you get are. So, to date, over 80% of all of the genetic data we have are from people of European descent. There's a few white folks. There is a huge amount of genetic variation that we haven't studied yet and that we haven't incorporated into our understanding of human history. And so if you, because the number of folks who are not European or not white are so small every time more folks come in, the numbers change dramatically because you, have, you might have doubled your data, right? So it can be really fun and interesting, and it can lead to really interesting conversations, but how it affects people's identity should, uh, I think, people, when identifying with these data about their genetic material, should stay open to changes, <laughs> uh, because what they hear now might not be what they hear in a month. And, um, both Ancestry and 23andMe have revised their estimates several times since, since I started doing the testing with them. And, um, for instance, um, when, I, when I first got my 23andMe results back, I was 100% European. And 
still nailing down whether this type of evidence is admissible, um, whether they have just cause to go look at this guy. Uh, and so uh, there have been more than 30 people who have been identified this way, including two women who have been arrested for abandoning um, babies to die. Um, and certificate of confidentiality from the National Institutes of Health to protect law enforcement 
access to the research database. Um, but, and that's great, but we, the strengths of confidentiality have never been tested in court, so we don't actually understand the full extent of their protection. Okay, I think of that. Um, so, based on the numbers that you gave me, the around 1.4 million and 1.4 million for myancestry.com, currently 0.7% of the American population has uploaded their DNA to these public databases. Try and find their parents. Um, and 
and those half-siblings might actually not want to be dark. Um, they may actually want their anonymity, or they may want their privacy. And Deborah, I was wondering, what do people need to think about when they're getting this testing done? How do you balance some one person's deep desire for family connection with another person's equally deep desire for privacy? So a lot of those donations happened prior to 23andMe, right? At a time when we thought anonymity of this sort was possible. In the UK, for example, you can't donate sperm anonymously anymore. Um, and here, practically, you really can't. Uh, people can, you know, there's nothing preventing maybe the woman who purchased the sperm signed something that said she's not allowed to go looking for that person. But once the kid is 18, they're not bound by anything. They never signed a contract. And if they want to go out and find the relatives, the genetic relatives that they have, there's nothing stopping them from doing that. Um, so I think it is very, I mean, I don't think, you know, I just don't think we can promise anonymity anymore in getting sperm donation. Um, but also, by the way, <laughs> we'll take this moment to say that if you are going to do this, you should talk to your family first. Ancestry or whoever, um, and then upload that raw data 
was working with the FBI. And that's not what they had signed up for. And so I, and then the company decided later that, that it was okay. And so I, I feel like those customers then were given the option to remove their DNA and stuff. But their DNA had probably already been used in investigations, and I think that's not okay. I think that if, as long as the, the company is open about it and you choose to do it, then fine. But if you don't know that the police have access, and I should be clear, they do not have access to your DNA. They can't actually see Science for the People is listener-supported. You can find us on Patreon, where you can support us with monthly donations in any amount. Your support keeps us afloat and able to keep making great new episodes, and we thank you for it. 
The show is produced by Rochelle Saunders and edited by Ryan Bromsgrove. We get help with special projects from K.O. Myers. Our theme song was written and recorded by Fractal Pattern, and its title is Binary Consequence. The show is hosted by Bethany Brookshire, Anika Hazra, Marion Kilgour, and me, Rochelle Saunders. Thank you.